You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Yes, it is The Big Show in the morning, hour two. Logan Gordon and Patrick Dumas along with you in for George and Maddie. Happy holidays. Garrett's in the other room keeping the ship afloat as we uh, soldier on through hour two on this Thursday edition. And uh, very happy this morning to uh, go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our Sportsnet 960 NHL insider. It's Frank Saravalli. It's brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it is the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTailChrysler.com. Happy holidays, Frank. How are you, pal? Good morning, boys. Happy holidays. Uh, all good here. What are you guys up to? Uh, not much. Just doing a little, uh, little fill-in work for the uh, for the regular boys as they get uh, a little bit of a longer holiday. But uh, happy to be here. How was the holiday break for you? Did you get any time off, Frank? Yeah, actually, I've uh, been able to kind of lay low most of this week, which has been good. Some time with the kids as they're off from school, and uh, yeah, just happy some hockey's back we had a quiet few days there nice to have some games again yes we're we're back in action the uh, roster freezes off and uh we're kind of back at it here as we close out 2022 and of course our focus here obviously on the calgary flames they didn't get much of a break they had three days there uh in between back-to-back sets and they kicked things off with a loss against the Edmonton Oilers and then a win against the Seattle Kraken. And it sure looks like, Frank, this Pacific Division is going to be one of those races to watch for when it comes to playoff spots in the West. Yeah, there's really no doubt about that. And and actually, right before I joined you guys, I was sitting here doing the math, trying to figure out exactly how many division games are left because that's really what it feels like it's going to come down to with those games in your division being worth just that much more. And you look at last night, the way the Flames bounced back, so critical for those interdivision games. Look, Seattle's played a few less games than everyone else. Um, and, and right now they're still kind of in the driver's seat math-wise. But when you look at the Flames and, and also really the Oilers, two teams that are chasing and trying to get back in the mix, well, they've got a lot of work to do, but they also have a lot of runway left with a number of division games left. Uh, for the Flames, they've only played 13 to this point, so they've got you know almost half of them still to go, and that's pretty critical in terms of what they're going to be doing in the second half. Do you still get the feel that though the uh, the Calgary Flames are are interested in improving this roster? I know it's something that Brad for living talks about that he's always interested in looking to, to do something if he can, but do you, do you get a sense of where the, the flames are at when it comes to that conversation, Frank? Yeah, I think they're really interested in, in trying to improve. Look, they didn't go out and, and make all these moves this summer, completely overhaul their roster, you know, twist themselves into a pretzel 14 ways from Sunday, trying to figure out how to get better to then get to this point in the season, be knocking on the door of the playoffs and shrug and say, ah, well, at least we tried. We were competitive. That's not their goal. That's not their mantra. Um, They still need to figure out a few things between now and then. And and frankly, um, it's really been a story that hasn't been talked about much, but what is the status of Oliver Shillington moving forward? That's going to be a huge critical part of what Calgary does and how they approach the trade deadline were, I don't know, just over 60 days out from January 3rd to March 3rd. 
so we're getting close. And to get some kind of clarity, I don't think anyone thought that the Shillington situation would linger on this long. But both on your back end and then also trying to figure out how you can improve up front and get that scoring winger that they've been after for so long, um, they have a pretty clear blueprint in front of them. Now it's about going out and tackling it. What do you think the the market's going to bear in the next couple of weeks here, as you mentioned, as we get closer to the trade deadline? Is it still going to be one of those situations, Frank, where GMs would like to get things done, but as usual, when cap space becomes more available closer to the trade deadline, that's probably when things will, will actually hit the road? I would think so, just because that's the normal MO for NHL GMs. I mean, look at the holiday roster freeze going into effect on the 19th. I think we saw, what, three minor league trades that went down? Mm-hmm. And how many months or weeks have those teams kicked around those ideas? Probably at least a month. So what that tells me is they need a push. They need a deadline in order to actually make something happen. I would say when it comes to cap space, normally that would be the idea is try and wait as long as you can to accrue as much cap space as possible. That sometimes pops up. But in this case, I would say this year with so many teams operating in LTIR, they're not accruing cap space that the same trade you could make on January 15th is probably the same trade you're going to be able to make on March 3rd. So it shouldn't theoretically hold things up. And you'd like to see teams get out in front of it and and do their shopping early. But like I said, they kind of need that push sometimes to get to the finish line or get over the hump. Uh, it was an expensive day yesterday for the Toronto Maple Leafs as a team and for Sheldon Keith, both uh, taking a significant hit to the wallet, uh, as much as a, a significant hit as $100,000 can be to a group like MLSC, Frank. But uh, talk to us more about this fine that the Maple Leafs took for uh, some early travel as they were getting set to head to St. Louis. Yeah, the CBA is really clear for the NHL. December 24, 25, and 26 are all complete off days. It's a holiday break. Locker rooms aren't open. You can't be skating at the rink. Uh, You can't be traveling. And so that's really the way it's set up. And the Leafs had a game in St. Louis, obviously, on the 27th. All the teams that had road games on the 27th woke up early that day, flew had their morning skate, and then played the game. And in this case, the Leafs wanted to get out ahead of it. They wanted a more traditional road trip style setup where you get in the night before the game, you go to sleep at the hotel, and then you go to the the skate at the rink. And in this case, they were caught. Um, I think they probably at a certain point shrugged and said, what's 100,000 bucks? The fuel on on our flight, for this road trip is going to cost more than that. Uh, so let's, uh, let's just take the fine, and if it gives us a better chance to win, we'll take it. There's been other teams that have been in that spot before. I could tell you that I covered the Philadelphia Flyers. I think it was in 2015 that this happened, maybe 2016. Um, and they, they flat out knew about it, looked at the rules, said, yeah, well, if we get caught, so be it. And that was the case here with the Leafs. And with Sheldon Keefe, um, you, if you watch the game against the Blues, he was all over the officials in the third period. It felt like there were a few missed calls. And uh, I think certainly just every time the camera panned to him, it seemed like he was losing his mind. And mm-hmm. So uh, he lost his cool and, and gets hit with the $25,000 fine. Not often that that happens in game. A lot of times when you see it, 
It's for comments post game that were critical. And in this case, he just seems like he couldn't help himself on the bench. I was going to say, and I, I don't know if you would know the details on it, Frank, but how does that come to be? Is that a case of the officials going to the league and saying like, Hey, like the guy was just overboard. Like, how does that come to like an in-game one? Like you say, how does that come to the league's attention? Well, two ways. One is uh, the officials on the ice can file a report after the game. Okay. Usually some kind of check-in between the officials and their supervisor anyway. Uh, but in this case, if I, I believe the official was one of the veterans out there was Wes McCauley. So he would know if something was way out of line, having done a ton of games before yeah. and could have mentioned it to the league or they could have seen it on video and just said, look, we don't like the way this looks. Uh, we don't, you know, even regardless of what was said, we don't like the optics of it. And so we're going to fine you. So that is another option. Um, but in this case, those are the two ways that they could go about issuing a fine like that. Okay. Uh, chatting with our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, he is Frank Saravalli, joining us here on the big show. Uh, I'm Logan Gordon and helping me fill in for uh, George and Maddie this week is Patrick Dumont. Patrick? Frank, a couple uh, teams dealing with some defensive injuries. We'll start in St. Louis. Uh, they placed Tory Krug on uh, LTIR with a lower body injury. Uh, Blues five points out of the final wild card spot in the Western Conference. Big up and down team they've been this year. What do the Blues do with Krug? Is it something they're going to try deal with from with inside inside the organization, or is this a team that might try and try and keep up in this race before they can get Krug uh, back in a couple in like six weeks or so when he's reevaluated? Yeah, Patrick, I don't, I don't sense the Blues are going to be one of those teams that's going to be chasing it this year. Mm. Uh, they've struggled sort of right out of the shoot. They've been, it's been an incredible roller coaster to watch the winning and losing streaks that have taken place with that team. Yeah. And I think when you take a look back at generally the way that Doug Armstrong, their GM, has approached deadlines in the past. Um, and coming up to them when he has a real good sense that his team isn't good enough or isn't in the mix, he's not going out and throwing, you know, good assets after bad. You're not going to see him pull off a big trade. And then that team falls short of the playoffs. Anyway, generally he's been a realist. Um, and he sort of let his team dictate exactly what he does. And I think with the Stanley cup that they won recently in 2019, that they probably feel pretty secure in terms of their approach. Mm-hmm that I wouldn't be surprised to see them begin selling off pieces. Obviously, Vladimir Tarasenko is one. But then to look at Ryan O'Reilly as someone next okay. on their team as a pending UFA, what's the situation like there? Obviously, be a, a hot commodity uh, when it comes to the deadline. That Those are two names, I think, to keep an eye on, that I don't think they're going to be a team out there saying, hey, we need to trade for a, a big stud defenseman to help our team get in the playoffs. I don't think that's going to be their approach. With Ryan O'Reilly, like I know, like we we've we've heard and talked about Jonathan Taves as a name as like a second line center as a team as probably the, one of the big names out there come trade deadline. Would a Ryan O'Reilly eclipse a Jonathan Taves like that? Like I'm thinking maybe he goes back to Colorado, something like that. Is that like something where Ryan O'Reilly would he push Jonathan Taves for somebody uh, to get? Yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to watch that market unfold um, because. You'd have Horvat, you'd have O'Reilly, mm -hmm. and you'd have Caves. Obviously, three players at three different spots in their careers. Yeah. Sort of Horvat uh, just hitting free agency for the first time. O'Reilly in that mid-tier in terms of age. 
Uh, and then Caves also with some Stanley Cup pedigree, obviously, in addition to O'Reilly. What's really interesting about it is there's three complete players, three 200-foot players. Um, and I think when you look at the goal-scoring tear that Horvat's been on, and I'd be so curious to find out how much of it is repeatable or not. Um, and you've read some of the stories this week about his work with Adam Oates and, and getting to the scoring areas mm-hmm. and all that. Is this a mindset? Is this a total game change? Is this, can he do this over and over and over again if you're Bo Horvat? That'd be the thing I'd want to know, and I'd be real curious to see which teams bet on that. But, yeah, I, I do think it's going to impact, if O'Reilly's available, the trade market for Caves. What I think it does is probably suppresses the return. But I think if you're, I don't know, a team that's in contention and is looking for a center, and the three, four teams that I look at, um, you mentioned Colorado, that's certainly one. And I, I had sort of pegged them as the ideal spot for Caves. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you include Colorado, Edmonton, Toronto, who could add another center, and then Boston as well, you've got you know four teams that are in that contenders world that now you know only one of them is probably going to be left holding the bag and, and not getting the guy that they want. So what it does if he is available is increases the options and everyone can kind of hone in on who they'd like mm. to tackle. Okay. It's going to be uh, interesting the next 60 days to watch this, uh, this center market for sure. The other team that's uh, having some injuries to their decor of late, maybe not as bad as Tory Krug in St. Louis, but it's the New Jersey Devils who overall team play not great, 2-7-1 and one in their last 10. They've fallen out of first place in the Metropolitan. Now they're out John Marino and Ryan Graves. Is this just more of what the devils we expected and that the, the hot start will get them by to get into the playoffs. Is this kind of more of the devils we ex- kind of expected, or is this just injuries and everything else coming at uh, all at the same time here? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think you've got some of the injuries impacting them, but I also think there's this, you know, devils coming back to earth part that, you know, we all kind of expected were they as good as the 13 straight wins that they had in the beginning of the season? No, probably not. But to your point, even just from a sheer math perspective, what that did is bought them so much space and time um, to, to be a playoff team that if they don't make it now, um, it's through their own fault. Uh, they've had such an edge and advantage that, I mean, it really took until the last 10 days or so for the Carolina Hurricanes to pull past them in the Metro. And Carolina's had basically no hiccups all season long. Yeah. That's the last two seasons. They just, that team is cruising. <laughs> um, they don't have any issues at all. Now for New Jersey, like, can you hang on? Because you've seen some of the, the shift in the Metro, like don't look now, but Washington has been one of the hottest teams in the league. Like they've really gotten it together. Another team that's dealt with, I'd say way more injuries and significant injuries than the New Jersey devils this year. And they've figured out a way to kind of put it together and, and piece it together. So that, that race that's going to exist between Washington, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, maybe if Detroit can get in that wild card, um, I, I guess my fear is as we head to 2023 is that we, I hope we have more than eight or nine teams that are in the mix for those yeah. eight spots because you're starting to see a little bit of a gap already in the standings where that 10th place team is falling back a bit. Mm-hmm. And I just hope we don't end up in a spot last like last year where it was pretty much decided by mid-January. 
Uh, Frank, just a couple more for you before we let you go on this Thursday. I have to ask you about Jacob Chikrin. He's been in the trade rumors for a while now. Uh, since his return from injury, 16 points in 17 games. He's playing huge minutes for the Arizona Coyotes. And I guess if you're the Coyotes organization, you're pretty happy about that right now because I imagine his trade value only going up as he continues to play well. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a really clear showcase opportunity, and it's been that way for a while for Jacob Chikrin, and he's gone out and crushed it. You want to get out of Arizona? How bad do you want it? 16 points, as you mentioned, in 17 games. And really, I think one of the big things that everyone wanted to look for from a team perspective was not just the points. Everyone knows he has a gifted shot. Um, you know, scoring 18 goals a few years ago in a lockout short se- or a pandemic short season was incredible. But it was a couple things coming off the injury. It was mobility was one. And what's what kind of load can he take on in terms of situational awareness? What, where, where does he stack up in your lineup on a true contending playoff team? Is he a two? And if he's a two, then how do you adjust those expectations in terms of the return for a trade? Because the Coyotes have held really firm in their price and their asking price. A lot of teams have thought that it's insane, and, and quite clearly it's high because if it wasn't, then he would have already been traded. But I think what's interesting to watch is if you're the Coyotes and he's played this well, there's really no reason right now to move off of your ass. You have 60-plus days now to figure it out and decide if someone's going to step up. And if not, are you willing to take less? Or is this something that's going to linger on and and move into the summer? Because at some point, someone is going to have to readjust their expectations, whether it's the team that wants to trade for him or whether it's the Coyotes and their price, because if not, he's just going to remain in Arizona. Wanted to ask you uh, about your interest level heading into another Winter Classic uh, coming up on Monday, the Penguins and Bruins from Fenway. These always look cool. They're, they're an interesting showcase. You get some new jerseys every year, Frank, but I'm just curious from your perspective as an observer where your interest level is for these games. It doesn't seem as though... They're going anywhere. The NHL pretty consistently has these on the calendar going forward now. Yawn. I mean, honestly, that's where I'm at at this point. Um, We're now returning to venues for the second time. I covered the original one at Fenway Park in 2010. Um, You know, before that, we were at Wrigley Field in 2009. And it, it felt a lot different then. It felt like more of a spectacle. We weren't seeing three and four outdoor games a year. And I don't know, like for me, the fact that they were interviewing Patrice Bergeron last night uh, before the Flames came came on on TNT, they were saying like, hey, this is your fourth one. Like, does this, does this feel any different? He's kind of like, no, he's like, the thing I enjoy most is the family skate. And I'm like, we've reached the point where the players enjoy the family skate more than the game itself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe time to spice it up a little bit, do yeah. something a little bit different. Like, like let's play an outdoor game in Hawaii. Then you'll get me interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, you know, let's go back to the, the game that they had uh, at Lake Tahoe. Like that to me was really cool. Uh, do something at Lake Louise or, or go somewhere um, out near you guys in the mountains, do something different because what they're doing now, it just kind of feels like the same old, same old. The NHL is very comfortable selling out a, 
a baseball park or, or football stadium for a day and co- comfortable collecting the revenue, but not exactly moving the needle forward. And uh, last but not least, uh, on Daily Faceoff, you guys had a, a really cool look back at the top 10 trades of 2022. Uh, these end-of-year lists and the end-of-year you know, best of sometimes can be a bit stale, but I thought this was a, a great one. And, you know, spoiler alert, I'll leave the other nine for everybody, but pretty easy in these parts, Frank, to look back at the year and say that that Matthew Kachuk and Jonathan Huberto swap was easily the, the biggest trade that we saw in the calendar year. Uh, it's the biggest trade we've seen in the last two decades. Yeah. I mean, uh, we'll be talking about that trade, especially as the fortunes of both franchises in Florida and Calgary continue to change over the next few years. We'll be talking about it for the next 10. I don't know when the next time we're going to see a trade that big is, and it's not just in the quality of players that move, but also the quantity, the contracts that were handed out on the other end of it. We're talking, $250 $250 million or something crazy that was handed out. Um, it's a lot to think about, a lot to process. And, yeah, I, I can't wait to see how it all unfolds, obviously, so really early. And it kind of just feels now, and I've been saying this for the last few weeks, that when you're watching Jonathan Huberto play, you can see he's back to that creative self. He's back to making plays again. Um the points are starting to come here and there, and you know, watch out in the second half. I think this team's going to figure out a way to put it all together. Maybe they need a little push to get over the hump, but um, they, we're going to be talking about that trade for a long, long time. Uh, you can find the full list, of course, over at uh, dailyfaceoff.com. That's where our NHL insider Frank Cervelli comes from, and uh, thanks for the time today, Frank, as always. Uh, happy holidays. Glad you had to spend some time with the family and get a bit of a recharge. Uh, happy New Year, pal. Can't wait to uh, talk to you in the future sometime soon, hey? Sounds good, boys. Uh, happy New Year, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Take care. Thanks, Frank, Frank. Cervelli, our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, joining us every Thursday here on The Big Show, and he's brought to you by... The uh, South Trail Chrysler uh, with inventory shortages across the city. It is the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the Winter Classic, these outdoor games, they, they are getting a little I'm sick stale. of it. I, I have no interest level for Monday. But Zero. The, but the I, end, don't, no. I don't care about the teams. No. Because it's they've been the in it a thousand it's times. It's always the same teams. It's the big markets with the big names. And... Been in Fenway before. Yeah. It's not anything new. And the thing is, though, the NHL will look at it and that well, the TV ratings are going to be whatever. But every seat at Fenway Park is sold out. Well, it's cool for the market. It, it, yeah, it's great, and that's what the NHL will look at. They'll be like, it makes us money. Oh, a hundred percent. That's be... why we're going to keep trotting these things out. I know the Flames and Oilers when that goes in in October next year, be pretty cool. I think you have to comment. It'll be the twentieth anniversary of the first ever outdoor game. Um, and finally get a battle of Alberta outdoors. But do, but do something different with it. As, if, yeah. as Frank's point was there, and that's the thing that I, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask him about is, like Bergeron yeah. and Crosby probably yeah. don't care. They it's don't probably care. more of a hindrance to them yeah. to have to do something different mid-season. It'll be good for the younger guys first time. Like, oh, first time get to play outdoors, nationally televised Yeah, but game. that's it, though. But that's, it's, that's, it's, that's, that's it. Uh, that's yeah. it. And then maybe if you're in Boston, okay, you didn't get tickets to the first one. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the bar that we're setting with these now, mm-hmm. and they just they want you to buy into it as a spectacle and this you know yeah. the history of we're gonna have Jason Veritek and Bobby Orr and Jadano. It doesn't do anything for me. 
You got to, yep. like I said, do something. The Lake Tahoe one was unbelievable. There's a couple good scenes I remember. I remember the the one at uh, Michigan Stadium, the big house with the wings and leaves. There's tons that they can explore uh, that they just haven't. Yeah, this just it, feels a little a bit lazy thing. to me. It's a venue thing, I think. And I know like you couldn't go to Gillette because it's the NFL still on. And whatnot, and uh, sure, but it also doesn't have to be Boston. It doesn't have to be Boston. And no. I think they're still stuck on that too. They're, they're on the. We need to have a major team market. We need to like be, it's yeah. Columbus isn't going to be in this thing, or uh, Arizona's yeah. not going to be in this thing. And I think that's a detriment to think, some of this. I, I I don't know. I saw it before Christmas on Twitter. I don't know who it was out there, but I'm sure if you could Google it, I think there was a rumor really that the next Winter Classic might be Kraken Golden Knights, possibly. As in the, the expansion teams, their first time outdoors. I think that would be something different. Uh, so they'll just piss off teams like Columbus and all those other yeah, teams. Yeah, like, well, I mean, Minnesota's the played Islanders. one, Nationals played one, but I guess Columbus is the only expansion team that didn't get to play in an outdoor game because even Winnipeg, if you could technically chalk it up, Atlanta was an expansion team and they got to play outdoors and with Winnipeg, got out to go indoors yeah, twice. I just, <laughs> I just, I like, I mean, I, I just think there's more you can do with yeah. it. Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask Frank about it because we're all in I that same bubble. I just when there's when there's nothing new for the teams and the you, players you that are in it. The game because it's a regular season game. You can't do anything different to the game. I don't even know that I need yeah. the game to be different. Just if the players aren't like like if Bergeron doesn't care yeah. mm-hmm. because it's he's done it a thousand times now. Why do I care? Mm-hmm. And I don't really as much as it. it you know I like it'll be a good game, but. Penguins Bruins, like I mean, is really getting you excited for Monday? Like it used to? Yeah, I don't it, think it, so. It, you know, like, like yeah, it's Pittsburgh, it's Washington, it's it was it's New York, uh, it was Philadelphia there for a bit. I get it. It's the East Coast teams with the with the big eyes, with the big markets, and, and that's what they'll do. That's the way the NHL's always done things. Uh, that game is coming up on Monday, January 2nd from Fenway, uh, part of three games on that Monday. It goes at noon on Sportsnet. Uh, once again, thanks to Frank Saravalli for joining us. You can find uh, Hour 1 of the Big Show wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc., etc. Uh, hour 2 continues next. NFL Big Bets ahead of Week 17. And Patrick Dumas got your snow report Keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Still to come on the program today, we'll chat with Pete Labardius, our Flames insider and the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. Flames and Kraken from Wednesday night. 3-2 win for the Flames. And we will also chat more in depth uh, ahead of week 17 in the NFL kicking off with Ross Tucker. Thursday night football, the Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans Two weeks of regular season football to go. Lots of playoff pictures still to be filled in across the league. Uh, so keep it with us here in the next uh, 90 minutes or so. Yeah. Get through it here. The big show with no Russick and no Rose. <laughs> 
He's Patrick Dumas. I'm Logan Gordon. I don't even know when George is back. I think he's back January 12th. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is he in Ontario? He is in uh, Niagara, yes. Why do you guys always say that? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. He hates when people say he's from Toronto because he doesn't like Toronto. He's from Niagara. He's from Niagara Falls. I always said that when I last time he was back home. Yeah. I When I was here with Maddie and I said, yeah, George is, if you haven't heard, George is from Ontario. He goes, no, George said, George says he's from Niagara. Well, he's from Ontario, yeah. But he's, he's from uh, Ontario. But don't, don't, uh, don't say he's from Toronto. Hmm. I know he worked in Toronto. He did come from Toronto. He did come from Toronto. Hmm. But he does not spend his time there in Toronto. <laughs> it's very clear to me by everyone in the mornings that works there that there's a very specific place that you're supposed to say that George is from. That's fine. It's like you can't just say Alberta, right? You're from Edmonton or you're yeah. from... Fair Calgary, enough. Red Deer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but while the boys are away, we will uh, continue... Our weekly traditions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. our weekly tasks that we put ahead of ourselves. One of them sponsored, yeah, sponsored things. No show. You're gonna get us the latest uh, on the snow conditions around. Yeah, much bit nicer week to go skiing this week than was last. Yeah, week. I don't imagine skiing or snowboarding in minus forty is any fun. I don't even think they opened. I don't, I wouldn't blame them. That would be stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'll get us the latest as uh, perhaps you've got some holiday time left. Yes, sir. Here over the next week or so, you want to go out and hit the slopes. Uh, Patty Dumas got the snow show coming up for you in just a little bit. But uh, we'll continue a uh, long-standing morning show, Thursday regular spot here. It's time for our NFL Big Bets. And they're brought to you by Sports Select. Sports Select has more sports leagues. And for a limited time, better odds on over, under, and point spread. Build your ticket at Sports Select. Dot com. I will remind you of the standings after week 16 in the NFL for two of the three that are not here and two of the three that we're going to put into this. Me and GVP come into this at zeros yeah. as far as I'm concerned. So we've got clean records. You guys can mock us in our decisions next week on the show. <laughs> Uh, Matt Rose, lead, Matt Rose leads the pack. Yeah, man. He, uh, he had one under 500 week and that was the first one we did. Uh, and then he's just been on a heater. And then this past week was his first under 500 week since, uh, October. This list here says, and I've been assured of its validity that Matt Rose leads the pack with a 41 and 31 overall record. Mm-hmm. Patrick Dumas. Who I sit across from this morning has a thirty-five and thirty-seven record. That's very respectable. Been collapsing of late, but yeah. you're close to five hundred. You can still pull it out over the next couple of weeks here oh, and yeah. get yourself there. Uh, and the man who <laughs> hosts a show about this on the weekends on the Sportsnet Radio Network, uh, you can hear inside the lines Sunday mornings here on Sportsnet nine sixty. Uh, George Russick comes into week six, uh, week seventeen. With a twenty-eight and forty-four record. Yeah, he's been saying fade Russick all year, so don't take his picks. Uh, wow. Yeah, he was two and four last week. We were all two and four last week. Everyone so was two and four last everybody week. Everybody was two and four last week. All right, uh, around the table: GVP, Patrick Dumas, Logan Gordon, with your Week Seventeen NFL Big Bets. Spread it like peanut butter jelly. 
spread it on. GVP, you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready, baby. Let's do it. Before they spread. Spread your legs. Spread your legs. Spread it around. Spread your wings. Spread it back. That makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. Here we go. Uh, Garrett, Patrick Dumas, Logan Gordon. Let's start with the Thursday nighter. The Dallas Cowboys and some version of the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> as Patrick Dumas has assured us many times, this game means nothing to Tennessee. Absolutely nothing. But the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys would still like to catch the Philadelphia Eagles for first spot in the NFC and potentially in their division. Yeah. You have told us that the line has changed. Yeah, I just dropped about a half. We point. now sit at Dallas favored by 11 and a half points mm-hmm. rather than the 12. Has the total changed at no, 40 and a half? The total is now 39 and a half. So a point less there, too. Yeah, so I'm guessing the injury news for Tony Pollard and uh, is not great. Yes, Tony Pollard, highly doubtful. So, yeah, this is tonight. So it's one injury to the Cowboys. Uh, Micah Parsons still questionable. Those Titans are just so beat up. Yeah, there's there's really no one on their yeah. team that you want to uh, to play. Uh, Patrick Dumas, start us off. Yeah, uh, on this pick for uh, your pick for this game, I'm gonna go Cowboys plus uh, plus the eleven and a half here. I think this. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's a no. It's a big number, but I just don't trust Malik Willis. He has yet to throw for a hundred yards in a game. If they they don't have Derrick Henry, they don't have a guy that can run the ball. And we know like Derrick Henry is that offense right now, but he hasn't even been that great of late. He's been fumbling the ball a ton. Uh, give me the Cowboys plus eleven and a half. I know that's a big number, but minus eleven and a half. or minus yeah. Sorry, Cowboys minus eleven and a half. Uh, that's too big of a number for me, sir. Uh, I'm going to go directly opposite of you and take the Titans plus 11 and a half. I, it's just too big of a number for me. I just, I don't trust it on a Thursday with all of the, it's tough to trust the Cowboys even when they're playing. Yeah, I just don't. I don't feel great about that. It's just too big of a number for me. They could win 14 uh, Yeah, like I'm not telling you here that I'm a I'm an expert at this by any means, but they're in Tennessee. Maybe the weather is a factor here for Dallas. Um, they're at Nissan Stadium, so maybe it's a, it's a different one. It's just too big of a number for me. Uh, so I have a general rule on that, it's so actually I'm not be going. Quite nice, actually, in Nashville. Oh, tonight, okay. Well, so, yeah. there you go. So, the 15 uh, degrees of kickoff. Okay. Uh, GVP, where are you leaning for this one? Uh, I'm going to take the over. Cowboys have averaged 36 points per game since over. week seven. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the over on that. This game obviously doesn't mean anything for Tennessee, so I expect a lot of points and maybe a blowout here. Hmm. There you go. GVP over 39 and a half points. Patrick Dumas will take the Cowboys minus 11 and a half. And I will take the Titans at plus 11 and a half points. Uh, next up, gentlemen, the Carolina Panthers taking on Tom Brady and the Bucks in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Seven and eight leading the NFC South Bucks. Somehow the six and nine Panthers are still in this despite trading away all of their players. <laughs> uh, we're coming into this one with the Panthers... Excuse me, with the Buccaneers favored by three points. Mm-hmm. Your spread at 40 and a half. Same, or I guess it was the same mm-hmm. as what uh, Dallas and Tennessee is at. Uh, GVP, where are you going for this one? I'm going to take the Bucks. Tom Brady is 3-0 and against Sam Darnold head-to-head. Bucks can also clinch the NFC South with a win. Mm-hmm. Take the Bucks. Uh Patrick Dumas. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a tough spot for Carolina. They really needed Arizona to do them a big solid to, to, to give Arizona or give Carolina a chance in this division. I know they got to win out and the Bucks got to lose here. Uh, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take the uh, the Bucks to cover the three points. Uh, we will share the same pick mm. across the board. Um, I've bet against Tom Brady too many times in big situations and uh, looked like an ass for doing so. Um, I still think he's gonna find a way to win big games uh, despite his team being pretty terrible this year. I like that it's only three points, if anything. So uh, we will all three of us take uh, Tampa Bay minus three in that one. Uh, next up, an interesting one between the Saints and the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. In Philly, Jalen Hurts questionable for this one. Still no word on whether or not he will play. Uh, Gardner Minshew came in last week, almost threw for 400 yards and two touchdowns. In the loss to the Cowboys, Eagles still 13-2. and two. They are at home to the Saints. Uh, Philly favored by 5.5 points. Total points set at 43.5. Uh, Patrick, where would you like to start? You know what? I'm going to take the... Uh, I'm going to take the... Oh, God. This one is tough here. I, I don't know why I find it tough here. The Saints have been playing really good defense this year. Still matters to them, it too. still matters. Like Outside, if Carolina wins against Tampa Bay, New Orleans beats Philadelphia, they still have that outside chance, and that NFC South will go down to the final week. Uh, it's just, I, if they get Jalen Hurts back, I still think the Eagles are solid enough group that they could cover the five and a half in this one. It's just, it's. I think Jalen Hurts is going to play. I think they can run the ball well enough. Give me the Eagles. It's just, they're at home here. That's it. It is tough, though. I, it just feels that's tough for the Eagles here. That's a touchdown. Uh, okay. Uh, GVP, where are you going on this one? I'm going to take the under. Like Patrick said, uh, Jalen Hurts questionable to start this game. I don't totally like Minshew in that spot. Uh, the Saints defense hasn't been bad. Their offense is a different story. They've been terrible. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm going to take the under here. Uh, I am uh, agreeing with uh, GVP on this one. I have the same pick of under 43 and a half points. I just don't think the Saints can get there. And i got to be honest, I, the, the numbers, uh, good on you, Patrick, for taking it. I just I wonder if it, if it is Minshew there. It obviously changes things, but I, I can't see this being a high-scoring one. The Saints just don't do anything for me. That's a... That's a team in in flux right now. They've got salary cap problems. Mm -hmm. They're still in it. Like, it's still an important game for them. But heading into Philly like that, that's a tough one. Uh, Okay, next up, Vikings and Packers. Don't look now, but the Packers suddenly (laughs) look like they might be a force. Huge NFC North matchup late in the season. Vikings are 12-3. Packers are 7-8, but they are red hot right now. We are in Lambeau Field for this one on Sunday, gentlemen. Packers favored by three and a half points. Total on the game, 47 and a half points. Uh, Garrett, where would you like to start? I think this one's a no-brainer. Like you said, Green Bay has been red hot. Uh, I think this game means a bit more to the Packers. I'm going to take the Packers. Patrick, I don't expect you to disagree. <laughs> I'm actually, I, I would take the over in this one. I think it's going to be a oh. close game. Uh, Kirk Cousins, we know they're they're what they're twelve and zero in one score games this year, or sorry, eleven and zero in one score games. Uh, Minnesota still has that outside chance at the at the NFC overall crown. They need the Eagles to lose out, and of course they need to win out. But again, this is a big game for Green Bay. This is a big spot. Offense is starting to 
Starting to hum a little bit more here. Rodgers missed practice yesterday with a knee injury, but he thinks he's going to be all right there for Sunday. I think there's going to be some points in this one. Uh, both teams, not very good defenses. Uh, I want to go with the over, 47.5. I don't like to do this, but I agree with Garrett once again. And I, I just... Big game. Give me Rodgers over Cousins. And even though it's not a playoff matchup, it's not a primetime matchup, still something about mm-hmm. the Vikings heading into the Packers in, in Lambeau late in the season with both teams having something on the line that makes me worried about Kirk Cousins. Reminds Until me of- he does it, I just don't trust the guy. And I'd much rather have Rodgers in that yep. spot than I would... And I, and I don't think it's hard for them to cover the three and a half in that. And what could, you're right, because I think if you're right on the over, I think the Packers could could win it by a touchdown. So, uh, all right, next uh, we have had a change in the total between the Steelers and the Ravens. Sunday nighter. This one's been flexed into the Sunday night slot. Uh, still a huge game for the Ravens. Ten and five, second in the AFC North. Steelers are seven and eight. We're at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore for this one. Uh, Baltimore favored by a field goal, Patrick. And the over-under total <laughs> set at 34.5 points. Where would you like to go? Uh, I'm just I'm going to go the over in that 34.5. I think it can happen. It's it's We, we still, like, I, it's not good offenses. Really good defenses. But that 34.5 is a small number. I think Baltimore, they still have that chance for the AFC South, or rather the AFC North crown. Give me the Ravens. Or sorry, give me the over in that one. I think it's going to be a, a close competitive game. Uh, Garrett. I'm going to take the Steelers, you know. Uh, both teams are 5-2 and two in their last seven, I believe. I think that the Steelers can hang around in this game. I'll take them at plus three. Pittsburgh plus three for Garrett. Oh, Lamar Jackson is still questionable for this one. I don't think he's been ruled out. No. Man. I'm going to take Baltimore. Minus the three on that. Still didn't practice yesterday, so it's, so it's probably not likely it'll be Tyler Huntley again this week. I just I don't I don't trust the Steelers. It's a big game, but I just don't. They leave I might late. regret that one, but I think Huntley can get it done. I'm gonna go. It's a small enough number. I'll go Baltimore minus three. Uh, last up, probably the game of the week. This is a great one. Really, really looking forward to this one on yep. Monday night. You won't be disappointed when the Bills and the Bengals meet up in Cincinnati, battling for top spot in the AFC. The Bills are 12 and 3. They survived the snowstorm. The Bengals are 11 and 4. It's Burrow versus Allen. This has great matchup written all over it. Over under uh, over under points total set at 49 and a half. Bills favored by half a point, almost hmm. a pick'em. In this one, gentlemen, uh, Duma, you get the first go at this. I'm going to go. Uh, this is a big one for both teams. Obviously, you said first overall, probably on the line. Winner mm-hmm. probably gets first overall in the AFC. Uh, where do you want to go? You want to go to Buffalo? You want to go to Cincinnati? And I think there's uh, maybe one team playing better football than the Cincinnati Bengals right now in the entire National Football League. Uh, give me the Bengals to cover that, uh, to, to give me that plus uh, plus half a point. Joe Burrow, I think he's uh, he's really cementing himself here for MVP, or at least trying to get that back into that role, trying to chase down Mahomes. Give me, uh, give me the Bengals. Uh, Garrett, I was originally going to be on the over, but listening to Dumas there, I think I'm going to switch my pick to the Bengals. Ooh, ooh, okay. Yeah. So two, of you, you're going Cincy minus half a point there. Uh, they'd be plus half. Plus half a point. Yes. That's right. Yes, Buffalo favored. 
Thank you. Uh, Cincy plus half a point. Um, uh, screw both of you. I'm going to go Buffalo <laughs> uh, minus the half point. Just uh, just to be different. I think uh, now that they're out of the snowstorm and they have survived it, um, I just I think the Bills are better. I think the Bills are the better team. Bengals are good, but I think the Bills are going to win it. I think that's a big game, and I'm really looking forward to that one on a Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will share the results next week. Garrett, thank you very much. Patrick, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentlemen, that is our Thursday regular NFL Big Bets. It's brought to you by Sports Select. Sports Select has more sports leagues, and for a limited time, better odds on over-under and point spread. Build your ticket at sportselect.com. Before we get out of here, it is time for the snow show. Patrick Dumas has your snow show today. It is brought to you by Ski West. With Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff, Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington or airport location today or head to skiwest.ca. Yeah, uh, let's get to the mountains out in uh, Alberta here. Uh, Sunshine Village, Castle Mountain, Marmot Basin, and Lake Louise all received new snow in the last 24 hours. Not a lot. couple inches at Sunshine and Castle. Well, just uh, just about uh, an inch at Marmot Basin and Lake Louise. As for Nakiska and Mount Norquay, uh, they uh, no new snow, but they got good uh, base depth. They got 34 to 52-inch powder at Mount Norquay, while 29-inch machine-groomed out at Nakiska. Uh, as for the open trails, only Marmot Basin is showing all the trails open right now. That's 91 out of a possible 91. Other than that, uh, Windsport also, uh, their trails are open. All six are open there. They got 30-inch base depth as well. And the good news here, all the lifts are open at Sunshine Castle, Marmot Basin, Lake Louise, Nakiska, Mount Norquay, and Windsport. Uh, great weekend uh, to get out and ski. Uh, much better than last week. I know you could you couldn't walk out outside without freezing your face off, let alone uh, going down a mountain very fast. I can only imagine uh, how hilarious that would have been and just how awful it might have been. But, you know, skiing and snowboarders, they're a different group. They're a different crew. Uh, but, yes, uh, it's good snow out there. Good weekend to get out and enjoy uh, the last holiday-long weekend before we get back to everything going here in 2023. And that is your snow show. The snow show is brought to you by Ski West with Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff. Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington or airport location today or you can head to skiwest.ca. The man that cannot escape me and my Flames questions, Peter Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, is coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.